Hello, welcome to Recapping with Delora and Ashley. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Recapping Podcast. Also, comment, rate, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We're on all the things. We would love to hear your ratings of the movies and shows we review. Email us your audio file to recappingpodcast at gmail.com and we'll play it during the show. Or DM us on Instagram and we will post and read it on air. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. Hello, Ashley. How are you doing? Hi, darling. I am great. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, So did you watch the Super Bowl on Sunday? I did. I caught I caught most of it. <laughs> Thoughts need to know. Uh in terms of the game itself, I mean, it was not very close and I know a lot of people were hoping mm-hmm. that it would be because of the matchup as people like to say of the LeBron and Michael Jordan of football. Mm-hmm. Um so I can't say it was the most riveting Super Bowl, but I mean Tom Brady showed up and showed out to be a 43-year-old man, I will say that. Uh, the performances, as we've talked about in previous pods, I'm not a big fan of the weekend. So halftime <laughs> show, sorry, didn't move me. Wonder those seven extra seven million dollars that he put in. Okay, uh, her loved fire. Uh, Jasmine Sullivan, you deserved better because, in my opinion, to be paired with someone who vocally is not even in the house that you live Girl. in is very upsetting. But isn't that what? Isn't that what we have to deal with all the time? But, you know, I digress. <laughs> I mean, I, I had this conversation with a coworker earlier who thought that it was it was a lovely pairing. And I said, I don't know what you were listening to, but no, <laughs> that did not work for me. So, yes, yes. Overall, I would say Super Bowl Sunday this Sunday was just meh, meh. That's, that's okay. a good word. That's, that's valid. So. Let's go into our hot topics this week. So a lot of stuff going on in the country. Second impeachment, Army Hammer's downfall is continuing. But today we are going to discuss the hottest topic on these interwebs. Mm -hmm. And that is tessica brown also known as the gorilla glue girl i i don't like calling a 40 year old woman girl but you know this is how we know her so some background tessica wanted her edges laid and she ran out (laughs) of her go-to product i'm not even familiar with this product i think i i believe it's called um I, I don't have it on hand right now, but she ran out of her go-to product and instead used Gorilla Glue Spray to get that ponytail tight and right. It was tight, all right. And I remember the first time I saw her, obviously it was a viral TikTok. And someone pointed out to me that when she did that TikTok, she was looking for help. Because I also didn't realize she had had her hair in that style for over a month. Mm -hmm. And in that TikTok, she discussed how she washed it 14, 15 times 
and nothing happened. And also learned that with that type of Gorilla Glue, water enhances the hold. Yeah. That's, so, I believe that's all Gorilla Glue because you're supposed to wet a, the surface before you apply the adhesive. So, yes. And I say this because I've used Gorilla Glue multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> on, on things, people, not my hair. Let's be clear. So, Ashley... As of today, Sister Girl can run her fingers through her hair, courtesy of a plastic surgeon by Dr. Michael Or Orbing, um, who did the procedure for free. Mm -hmm. um, he was able to create some type of chemical concoction that included um, acetate and olive vera and olive oil. It took three hours, Ashley, but she was able to keep her hair. What did you, what are your thoughts on this whole situation? Well, God bless that doctor. Cause they said that procedure would have cost like $12,500 yes. or something like that. And so she has a GoFundMe that she originally raised 13,000, but at, by the, uh, this afternoon on Thursday, <laughs> she raised $20,577. So, oh, wow. Well, they said he did it for free. So what are, what are we doing with that money now? Hmm. Somebody said she's not going to win this lawsuit. So she might as well take no, money. no, <laughs> no, you're, you're definitely not going to win that lawsuit, ma'am. So I've had this conversation now so many times, even sent this to my hairdresser and had a robust text conversation. I am so happy for her. Being a yes. black woman, we know that the hair struggle and it's real. The idea of what was going to happen was very sad because I remember Gorilla Glue putting out a thing, uh, a statement saying it, her hair may be fractured at the root. And I was like, I don't even know what that means, but it sounds horrific. What if she I can was, never grow her hair again? I was terrified for her scalp. Yeah, absolutely. What was going to happen? You know, and they said what they were putting on originally was like burning. And just again, being a black woman, it was just, it was just hurt, heartbreaking. But at the same time, I have still to this day, never heard a good explanation of how you could possibly confuse Gorilla Glue with hair glue. What section did you purchase this from? Did you get this online? I just, I needed more yes. facts because otherwise I cannot give unclear. you, yeah, I can't give you a good excuse. It was, it was idiotic and yes. I'm sorry that this happened to you, but ma'am, as a 40 year old woman, you've never heard of Gorilla Glue. You've never, now granted the bottle she had, I had never seen Gorilla Glue in that type in of bottle. Can. Yeah, but, not it, either. but it's still, if you, if you even glanced at it, it says to be used on metal, to be used on wood to be used on everything but your skin and Ashley, your body i you do know that people use adhesives for <laughs> things that they're not meant for i.e drag queens use glue sticks to glue their, up eyebrows. their eyebrows. You know, people I've just gotten into RuPaul's glue. Drag Race, so yes, yes, I know that. Yes, uh, people use wig glue for lashes. You know, so I, I'm just saying, I have seen people use glue 
that's meant for something else. Yeah. That is on a, their body. That's a so, fair point. But again, Gorilla Glue is a whole different beast never, in the categories never, never. of glue. We're yes. talking about being known as the strongest adhesive product out there. And again, it is that's it's it's like the equivalent of Trump telling people to drink, you know, Girl, household drinks. products. To try to cure coronavirus. Stand in the sun, Ashley. Stand it's, in the sun. Dolores, it was nonsensical. <laughs> and I just can't imagine how she got to that point. But God bless her. Again, I'm so happy that this doctor was able to help her out, hopefully. I mean, it's, it's, it's a testament to technology and social media, right? Because yes. think about an era where she would not have had Girl. that as a resource to get in her Louisiana, message out there. No. I just don't even know what she would have done. I'm not knocking Louisiana, but I'm just saying, you know, she had to go out to Beverly Hills, <laughs> California, to yeah. get the help that she needed. And, you know, kudos to Black doctors who just oh, looked out absolutely. for you. Absolutely. I feel like he was like, you know, let's just, let's go ahead and make this happen. He said, this like, is for my mama. <laughs> this is for all my aunties. Yes! Grandma, I love you. Let me help this sister out. Can I say, too, one thing that was funny on the video? Because you sent me her video after the fact. When yes. she's talking about, now I got to get my hair done because it's Valentine's Girl. Day and I got a date. <laughs> like, Girl. Jessica, Man. all this you just went through and you worried about your date for Valentine's Day. Dude, she's, she's still under observation when she's talking about Sunday. Yes. Like, okay, sis. Okay. Just coming out from being under some form of anesthesia. <laughs> and you like, listen, hold on. How my hair looking now? I got to get this together. I got this date. <laughs> like, oh, man. She hilarious. even said that she wished she hadn't cut off the ponytail. I'm like, yes. ma'am. Ma'am. Yes. <laughs> yes. Priorities in this moment. Priorities. All right. So let's go into our microdose this week. Ashley, we originally had this film set up for our official recap for this week. We did. Um, But we have other plans. So let's go ahead and talk about Malcolm and Marie. This is a Netflix original starring Zendaya and John David Washington. Um, It's a, it's a, it's a movie about relationships. It's, it's, it's in black and white. Actually, I'll just let you take the floor on your thoughts because you had, (laughs) you had stronger thoughts than I. Okay. Okay. Yep. Go ahead. Take the floor, ma'am. Yeah. And I can tell our listeners, listen, I'm, I'm very, it's a very, I take responsibility for this recap changing for this week (laughs) because Malcolm and Marie, I was so excited for, and I was so deeply disappointed in this film after I had watched it. And that's with all due love and respect to the actors, because one thing I didn't want to do is I did not want to hop on this mic and trash or bash someone's art and especially someone i respected no as much Zendaya as Zendaya. exactly any day of the week here exactly. okay <laughs> love you still z but let me say i did not remotely enjoy this film experience and beyond zendaya's dress to start the film i have no kind words for it sitting through the film delora was as i mentioned to you at best exhausting and at worst abusive yes to witness two characters in essentially a two hour long argument where they went for the absolute jugular of each other with soul crushing soul crushing words blows and a black couple at that 
Mm-hmm. It's not my idea of entertainment. First of all, it's Black History Month. We need to celebrate our movies. And if we're going to talk about relationships, let's celebrate Black love in a very uh, healthy, uplifting, <laughs> non toxic happy ever after ending (laughs) i think i think one thing that bothered me about it too is that the argument itself the basis of the argument itself was so unrelatable to most people Hmm. now the the essential feelings behind it i'm sure every couple can relate to in some capacity but it was a very yeah but it was such a highbrow argument that for me it was so unproductive to witness and then i have to agree with the review that i read on cnn that the the truest words spoken were an early line from zendaya's character marie in which she says nothing productive is going to be said tonight (laughs) yes (laughs) yes delora delora this film in my opinion should have lived and died as a thought in sam levinson's head during quarantine boredom ashley denzel's daughter produced this film as well zendaya was a producer all I understand. these people understand. had their hands in this project. I understand. All right. So, Ashley, let me give my thoughts really quick. Okay. So, you asked me via text, did I enjoy the movie? Mm-hmm. And uh, just like Cassius Clay from One Night in Miami, enjoy is, is a strong word. You know what <laughs> I mean? Yes. For me, the film... First of all, it was beautiful. Beautiful location. Love the black and white. The performances were okay. I thought Zendaya gave me things that I didn't know she had the range for, so I appreciated it. Uh, John David overacted. But the problem I had and where I felt uncomfortable besides the toxic relationship with, mind you, zero resolution at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I had hoped she was gone. Girl, that was, I was like, I, w- I would have felt better about the film if she had just gotten her stuff and left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the continuity of it all, knowing that a white man wrote some of those topics that they discuss in these overindulgent monologues Mm -hmm. made me a little bit uncomfortable. For example, um, just the Barry, not necessarily just the Barry Jenkins thing, but even the continuity of the film, no black man is going to eat Kraft macaroni and cheese straight out the box. She asked if he wanted salted or unsalted butter sis what about real cheese you know what i mean <laughs> like why isn't the oven on to bake it i don't I love that this. black people are discussing the mac and cheese because as a mac and cheese lover to the core Girl. that's the damn truth unrealistic unrealistic and then there was just uh, again conversations of even john david's character being a black man and i'm I'm like who wrote this did you have any input on this because it just seems textbook woke you know what i mean um so i didn't hate it as much as you did i thought well this is how you not have a (laughs) relationship you do not fight dirty like that you can have 
you know, heart to hearts. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, and then, you know, I didn't know who to side with also kind of like our Cobra Kai discussion also. It's like, but ultimately I found myself more in Zendaya's side because uh, John Davis' character was just wilding, mm. okay? Wilding at certain points. And, and, and I also hate when men call women crazy because it just seems so dismissive. Yeah, what a default that it seemed like he kept going to. Um, in terms of trying to be uh, the winner of the argument or, you know, again, it was just so vicious. If it had not been for this podcast, I probably would have cut it off uh, very early on. So, <laughs> but again, that is with all due love and respect to my girl Zendaya. Um, this was a miss for me. All right. And with that, let's kick off our second week of Black History Month with a movie that explores black love sylvie's love yes are you ready i am ready thank you so much um so as i said since we're not going to do malcolm marie we are doing a wonderful love story um sylvie's love that was released on amazon prime on my b-day December 23rd, 2020. It runs a little under two hours. Let me hit you guys with a quick summary. When a young woman meets an aspiring saxophonist in her father's record shop in 1950s Harlem, their love ignites a sweeping romance that transcends changing times, geography, and professional success. The film was written and directed by Black filmmaker Eugene Ash. He mentions that the script is loosely inspired by his own parents. It is produced by Namdi Asamwa, who is the star as Robert uh, of the film. Congratulations for saying his name, girl. Yes. Well, <laughs> and let me give credit to Bakari Sellers' podcast because yes! he is on Bakari Sellers' latest episode. And that, yes. as well as my brother, are the reasons why I can pronounce that man's name correctly. Because <laughs> Namdi, in case some of our listeners are not familiar, was an NFL cornerback before yes. he transitioned to acting. He is also the husband of Kerry Washington. Kerry Washington. So let me just put that out there. Um, just a couple of uh, things that Eugene... Congrats, sis. I'm just like... <laughs> no, absolutely. He's a, a full... I don't even call him a snack. He's a meal. Um, <laughs> so uh, a couple of, of things that uh, I learned about this film as I was kind of looking into some articles and information is um, Eugene's quote where he said in The New Yorker that, you know, when we talk about the 60s and Black folks, it's often through our adversity what I saw growing yes. up was very different. And he really wanted this film to emulate the big screen romances of the era, such as Breakfast at Tiffany's, but with Black characters. And I think you and I have discussed the fact that that's something we both love about this mm -hmm. film, is mm -hmm. that it, it does give us an opportunity as Black people to go back to that era and not have it be through the lens of suffering, not have it be through the lens of hardship, but through the exactly. lens of love and romance and technicolor, you know, it was so fashion. Beautiful. Yeah. Yes. Um, so let me, let me, let's get into the cast real quick. We have Tessa Thompson as the star, Sylvie Parker, who I'm sure many of you know in many projects, but just to name a few, Creed, uh, the Thor series, Men in Black reboot she was in, Westworld series. Um, again, Namdi 
Asamwa plays Robert Holloway. This is only his second film, Delora. Yes. And this is being his second film, he has had to produce both of these to allow these vehicles to be made. His first film was mm. called Crown Heights. As I already mentioned, former NFL cornerback. So amazing that he's been able to make such a strong transition to the world of film. Um, we have Aja Naomi King, who plays Mona. I'm sure you guys mm-hmm. are familiar with her from How to Get Away with Murder. Mm-hmm. She was also uh, in Birth of a Nation. Yes. We have Tone Bell, who plays Dickie Brewster, comedian. He's been in many things. Latest thing I enjoyed him in was little starring regina king and he's and going to be marseille the, martin uh the united states versus billy holiday coming out um awesome. the 26th awesome we have your boy <laughs> reggae john page john page as chico sweetney obviously bridgerton as delora always says he's a household name getting beyonce swag and everything listen days. he has outgrown selfie's love uh role that he was in <laughs> clearly he is now the leading man um we also have alano miller playing Lacey parker um you guys may recognize him from shows like underground and jane the virgin he's also married to another one of my mm-hmm. favorites DeWanda mm-hmm. Wise from yes. She's Gotta Have It series. Beautiful. They're Eva, a beautiful couple. They are. Eva Longoria who plays Carmen. I do not need to give Eva's credits. Uh, no. Jemima Kirk who plays the Countess who I probably know her best from the series Girls Yes. Uh, on HBO if you guys are familiar. Um, Erica Gimple plays Eunice Johnson who is Sylvie's mother. You have Lance Reddick who plays Mr. J, Sylvie's dad. You have mm. Ryan Michelle Bath who plays Kate married to the, in real life, the Sterling Kate Brown. My cousin. <laughs> so, so the moral of this cast is they all have their they're not incre- only incredible actors. They have some great spouses. Okay. Absolutely. Um, and then He's finally. St. Louis and my mom's from St. Louis. So we call him cousin. So. Okay. I mean, <laughs> claim them, sis. Claim them. Uh, we lastly have Wendy McClendon Covey as Lucy Wolper. So let's get into these ratings, Delora. So on Rotten Tomatoes, 93% critic score, mm-hmm. 79% audience score, and 93% of Google users like this film so mm-hmm. please tell me and our lovely listeners what is your grade <laughs> for sylvie's love sylvie's love oh it was so beautiful it's a visually beautiful film the writing was lovely and it's just it was i enjoyed it i gave this film a b okay Nice. We're in the same ballpark yet again. My grade is a B plus. I think I enjoyed it even more my second viewing than I did Mm -hmm. my first because possibly the mood. I mean, we are, as we haven't said it yet, but we are getting it going into Valentine's Day weekend and Mm -hmm. love is just in the air. You know, it was just, it was just, you know, a a time that just brought me joy. Uh, Revisiting some things about the film we'll get into uh, to, to further migrate, but B plus it is right now for me for Sylvie's love. Mm -hmm. So spoiler alert, guys, we are getting into the meat of the film. If you have not, checked it out again on Amazon Prime. So let's start with the meet cute as it is known in the film world, Delora, which is Mm -hmm. when the two main characters meet for the first time. So this film, we begin in New York City in 1962. 
we see the two main characters meet unexpectedly outside of a performance hall called the town hall but Mm -hmm. you can tell this isn't the first time they've met because there's already a familiarity she says his name right Mm -hmm. so cut to we have to jump back five years sylvie is working in her father's record store and Robert is an up-and-coming jazz musician. He is in the Dickie Brewster Quartet, and they're in town playing for the summer from Detroit. So Robert stops into the record store after spotting Sylvie and conveniently a help-wanted sign in the window. Mm-hmm. They are not actually looking for or needing an employee to work as Sylvie really breaks down for him. But for mm-hmm. some reason, Robert is hired by Mr. J anyway. Why do you think, what do you think Mr. J saw in Robert? Because Sylvie mentioned that this happened all the time of people thinking and coming in thinking they need to help when they didn't. Why, why Robert? He probably saw himself in Robert in some ways, just a young man. Um looking for an opportunity and he was able to give him one. I I just feel like every once in a while, you just, some people just have that, that je ne sais quoi, right? That makes you gravitate to them. Yes. And they show moments of bonding throughout the film too, especially about music. You know, again, Robert plays the saxophone. You see points in the film where, you know, Mr. J mentions he used to play the sax as well, Mm -hmm. you know, so you can Mm -hmm. tell that there was a connection somehow that was instantly formed between them. Side note, the lens that Sylvie went to watch TV would have absolutely been you and I. Because (laughs) when she broke down this, guys, and she says, listen, here's what it is. My fiance is in Korea. My mom won't won't let us put a tv in the house so i have to come to the store and watch it but my mom forced us to put this sign up to protect her reputation against people thinking that we can't afford help with me working here in the store because her mother has a school of etiquette and manners Mm. delora so she has a reputation what did you what did you think about this exchange and her circumstances i thought it was interesting um it definitely helped like me as an audience member gather that okay her mama is judgmental then Mm. (laughs) don't we all know a Eunice Johnson like I feel like we all know those (laughs) women yes have a who who you know it's a we have to be a certain way in public mentality yes and you know with black people especially if they're able to enter those spaces they take it extremely seriously absolutely and so especially knowing what what was actually going on during that time you know that was um their way in society period Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I can say I judged her mother a bit for that but at the same time I thought about the fact that she is a black woman in the 1950s running her own business exactly that's amazing yes so kudos mama johnson um i love this tie-in that we have with one night in miami our previous recap when you hear you send me uh by sam cook playing in that scene on the roof with sylvie and her cousin mona lisa uh mona's comment that eunice busted sylvie and her fiance lacy messing around and that Mm. that's the reason why they were engaged i didn't catch that the first time I didn't either. But the second time when I caught that, I was like, mm, that makes a lot more sense. And it may also shows that Sylvie was about that life. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. 
a hundred percent like omg what are what's going she was no daphne Bridget, no okay? she was not prim and proper <laughs> as her mother possibly would like for her to be but at the same time you can see her and we'll see it throughout the film rubbing up against that and rubbing up against that uh authority that her mother tried to have over her mm-hmm. um so mr j in a moment with robert makes light of sylvie wanting to make tv shows for a living delora he said can you imagine a colored girl making tv shows mm-hmm. what did you think about that do you think it was just her father feeling that way because of the era absolutely okay go ahead and explain yes um honestly it's it was probably hard to imagine a black man as the producer let alone a black woman Mm -hmm. for that time we're talking 1950 Mm -hmm. what late 1950s it was 1957 i believe when we picked this up yes that's also the same year Sam Cooke's song was released um Mm -hmm. but yeah I don't I didn't it was disappointing to hear her father say that but Mm -hmm. I think he was quote-unquote being realistic yeah unfortunate to feel like maybe your parent kind of belittled you a little bit in that moment Mm -hmm. but you know the lesson I took from it that I think is so valuable is that you should never allow other people's limitations uh, and thoughts of you to be your limitations and thoughts of you right exactly that was that was a great pool that i got as an audience member um so despite sylvie's engagement and her mother's well-mannered training a bond forms between uh sylvie and robert as they work together and delora a love affair ensues mm-hmm. uh, she is speechless seeing him perform when he invites her to see his quartet uh in action coltrane that, comparisons mm-hmm. immediately that, that for sure helped him get it I, i'm oh, just gonna put no that. no no <laughs> in my notes i say there's something amazingly sexy about yes. seeing someone in their element in their element whether it's you know an artist like painting drawing mm-hmm. musician mm-hmm. um my husband science i'm like ooh, say that big word for you me you better you <laughs> Dave, you gonna get it, okay? Oh my God. <laughs> Be telling all your tricks on the podcast tonight. Baby, what was that word you said the other day? Mm. Mm. All right, all right. Love it. <laughs> Love it. But no, that is absolutely the case. And to be honest, the way that it's framed in this film, Robert is the star of that quartet, even though he's not the leader of the group. That is the reason why they got the manager that they got and the countess. Um, He is he he is very he's a very talented man. He's a very talented man. Um, Their romance, though, was ultimately thwarted, Delora, by his career because his Mm -hmm. band is offered a gig in Paris. And even though he asks, Sylvie chooses not to go with him. At this point, she also discovers she's pregnant. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Extraordinary caught up to her. Yeah, but she doesn't tell Robert. She chooses not to tell Robert before he leaves. So this is kind of the beginning as we're getting into things. What are your thoughts on the, the pair's chemistry? Because this is a romance. What are your thoughts? The chemistry was nice, but I have to say it's not my favorite of like all time. Mm-hmm. Um, only because I found it hard to read Robert at times. That's fair. And I feel like 
you know, watching it the second time around, I gathered that he's a quiet guy. Mm -hmm. and but he also knows exactly what he wants right yeah uh but robert didn't play no games he didn't play no games either like when you he gave did him that, an inch he, when he, he did that calm. hop skip and jump up the stairs <laughs> yeah. when he was like you know normally when a gentleman takes a lady out on a date he gets a good night kiss i was like look at him shooting his shots yes She's, he hop, skip, and jumped, she's like have you been practicing that exactly <laughs> it was so cute Yes. And so I, and, and also, honestly, I feel like I wasn't able to enjoy it because I, it was hard to gauge their age range when the show mm, started, mm. because I'm like, are we high school? Okay. No, she's engaged. Okay. So this is probably what college years, but they, they both probably didn't go to college or something like I that. I think they were supposed to be in their twenties for sure. Yes. That was the, the age range that I was gauging because they were both, you know, even with Bridgerton, I think she was possibly slightly younger because a lot yes. of times women were considered to be more suitable yeah, so. for marriage mm -hmm. younger. But, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, I understand that. What I, about you? I, I have to agree with you about, I thought it was cute, but it wasn't that burning, no. passionate chemistry. No. of you know a quick uh, easy comparison is the notebook right but those actors you know one to have know, a real I really oh, don't enjoy the notebook right oh I did not know that I did not no. know that but I will I can just say that that the chemistry between mm -hmm. Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams was fiery palpable and honestly you know who they has hated great each other what who um outlander like for them to not actually be together, I you was feel like, like they have great chemistry. Yes. But, and, and let's not only name white films, white characters. No, no, no. The, I, Love I, Jones, Love Jones, Nia Long and Lorenz Tate, palpable, fiery I have something chemistry. To tell for me. you on this Black History Month day. Tell them because I already know. I, <laughs> I have not seen Love Jones. Tragedy tragedy put that on your list of to-dos for this month okay is to watch love jones fiery passionate uh palpable chemistry i'll even say jada uh not jada janet jackson and tupac on uh poetic justice had bang banging bomb chemistry for me like the sexual tension between those characters i loved in that film but because of the way the film was structured it wasn't a typical romance where i feel like it was explored in the same way as certain other films mm -hmm. but i felt it so i guess i'll say again i thought they were cute but it wasn't like oh my god i you know i'm getting hot yes exactly hot. exactly overall ashley i will say um and i actually saw someone on twitter say this this film was was beautifully gentle like everything was just it was it was that. just delightful yeah it was, I love it was that. delicate you know what I mean like it wasn't overpowering at any moment the dialogue even with one another um even even in times where they disagreed it just mm -hmm. wasn't as like Malcolm and Marie it wasn't gut-wrenching or exhausting mm -hmm. no it was just, no it was very gentle. It was a gentle love story. And so yeah. it wasn't, you didn't necessarily need the heat for this story, I feel like. Um, that's, I mean, that's a beautiful way to put it, that it was more, that it was gentle, mm -hmm. that it was gentle. And um, 
I guess the last thing I'll really say before we move on to the next portion is Robert is my type of man. I like a man who is more reserved, a little soft-spoken, but knows what he wants when he wants it. Robert is my type of man. So I was very much a Namdi uh, (laughs) Asamoa fan uh, as a part of this recap. Let me put that out there. You you and me both. So all due respect, Carrie Washington, girl, you got one. (laughs) All right, let me move forward. So and so we meet again is our next session. We pick back up five years later, which takes us back to the very beginning of this film. Sylvie's now married to her fiance, Lacey. They have a daughter, even though it's not initially clear. Is that Robert's baby? Does she keep Robert's baby? Or is that Lacey's child? Her name's Michelle. Her name is Michelle. She gets a gig in the career field of her dreams and is working as an assistant in TV production for a cooking show, the Lucy Wolfer Show, and mm-hmm. actually works for another black woman. Case mm-hmm. surprise, surprise. In a convo with Lacey that night, he mentions a big opportunity that he has for him, for himself at work with a big, a big new client and needing her to cook dinner the next night, Delora, they had agreed previous to this discussion we're witnessing that she can work as long as it doesn't interfere with her responsibilities at home. Now, again, mm. Sylvie has dreamed of working in television her entire life as far as yes. we're concerned. And she comes home with this amazing, this amazing opportunity. And her husband has this reaction. So what were your thoughts about this particular moment? I honestly put in my notes, is his coldness towards her some form of punishment? Mm. Or, you know, we could we could go back and understand that his father was a doctor and for a lot of doctors, especially back in the day, it's doctor and wife, right? Mm-hmm. So his mom was probably holding down the fort while his daddy was, you know, making the culture proud, right? <laughs> and it's, I mean, again, we're talking about the 50s and 60s. She exactly. was expected to be a housewife that... It's unheard of for her to work. Like, why should she work? Honestly, it was it was almost like um, that status. Like, why, why is your wife working? Mm-hmm. Don't you bring home all the bacon? Isn't it enough? You even hear him say when he's dismissive of this big opportunity for her team parker like my win is your win why are why are you not excited about Mm. what i'm doing that should be the thing as if she's not a fully fledged flushed out human being with her own dreams ambitions and goals okay but she also wasn't a typical woman in that time either she she was rebellious like you mentioned she had she had some friction to what was expected for her absolutely in her you know society her she was a debutante, darling. <laughs> she was. Let's talk about this dinner real quick, too. When the client's wife says to Sylvie, I couldn't even tell your husband was a Negro on the phone. Such good diction. Delora, I wrote Jesus take the wheel. She basically <sighs> learns from this client's wife that the only reason why Lacey's getting this account is because her husband's company was targeted by the NAACP mm-hmm. for discriminatory hiring practices. But Lacey seems unfazed. Delora. Girl. Is her is Lacey a sellout or is this is this a product of I'm gonna get this money no matter what? I believe Lacey was fine being a token. Mm. 
I feel like as long as that check cleared, he was going to do what he had to do. He, he just was looking at, you know, literally the numbers about mm-hmm. it and looking at how this was an awesome opportunity. Just let me in the door kind mm-hmm. of thing. And honestly, I feel like a lot of black people had to make those type of decisions back in the day. I will say uh, the way that Sylvie said, oh, no, was everything when the oh, wife yeah. asked, oh, can I help? She's like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. She looked her up and down. I mm-hmm. felt that, oh, no. Mm-hmm. That, oh, no, was like signal to every Black woman across mm-hmm. the world. <laughs> like, no, ma'am. I don't need you in my kitchen. The, I don't want you touching my stuff right the, now, okay? The bitch, the bitch was implied. That's what that moment was for me. <laughs> Yes, yes. You know, it was it was a visceral moment for I'm sure many a black person watching this film. Uh, to your point earlier about the gentleness of the film, I think this again spoke to a gentleness, right? It was not a an aggressive point that I think the mm-hmm. filmmaker wanted to make about you know her reaction or anything like that. It was gentle, but it was it was effective. Yes, and, um, and back to your point that uh, Eugene made. I actually had that in my notes as well, and I didn't even see that particular article, how I felt like I, I really enjoyed this being a, a Black love story mm-hmm. where Black people were in their communities and we weren't under the gaze and pressure of the outside world or frankly, white people of that particular time. Right. And that's not to say that the film does not address things, which we're mm-hmm. going to get to in the fact that, actually, let me move forward and then I'm going to address that real quick. So mm-hmm. we get back to that opening scene. Sylvie had been waiting for Mona, Mona uh, to see a Nancy Wilson concert, but Robert is in town recording an album with his quartet. So that's why somehow they run into each other again. She invites Robert to join her instead. Now, again, she's full married. She unexpectedly, after the show, pops up at Robert's hotel room at the plaza. Husband who? Husband? Where? 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 (laughs) Go ahead, Delora. Can we really talk about Robert for a moment? Besides, okay, so I put this in my notes. Robert is her mom's worst nightmare. (laughs) And I say (laughs) that because he actually is and i'll bring it up more when we as the story continue to unravel Mm -hmm. but you kind of don't see it initially as an audience member because you're falling for their love and you see the you know how genuine robert really is Mm -hmm. however bird's eye view we have some we have a conversation that needs to be had yeah, and that that sh- could have been had in the aftermath of their uh, sexcapade in that hotel. Robert, Robert asked her to come on tour, and she refuses. And she said, "He said, is it because of him?" And she said, "No, yes. it's because of my daughter." She could have said, "Our daughter." She could have sure said, "Then has. and there, that yes. you know, Michelle is your child." You can tell that there's a, a conflict. You can see it on Tessa Thompson's face, yes. but yes. she does not move proceed with getting 
getting her thoughts out. And Robert, unfortunately, doesn't know to ask, right? So let me get back to the point that I was going to make just a minute ago about this, the, the idea of the gentleness of this film and still being true to the era. I feel like Mona mm-hmm. was utilized throughout the film mm-hmm. to really show connection to the realities Absolutely. with uh, her involvement in voting rights, her involvement in the civil rights movement, because you see her go to Atlanta for a voter education project. You see mm-hmm. her later in Washington, D.C. Uh, for the March on Washington that happened yes. in 1963. Yes. So again, I appreciated that while it was this beautiful love story, it's not as if we're existing in a bubble that is not real, right? But no one was driven out of a sundown town. No. No one had any broken glasses or slurs. Yeah. <laughs> no, so gentle, gentle yes. is really the key word here <laughs> that we are going to stick with as the theme of Sylvie's yes. love. You know, those that, that gentle love. So Sylvie's job once again becomes the topic of discussion with Lacey because with that money that he gets from from that business that we just discussed, he decides he wants to take uh, the family on a trip to Disneyland. And, you know, Sylvie's just started this job. And so she says, you know, I I just started my job. I can't take time off. And he says, well, quit. We don't need the money anyway. Mm. It, It shows, in my mind, a lack of even understanding your wife. Not just the era, but a lack of understanding who your partner genuinely is and what she genuinely wants. Robert. Talk about gratitude. Okay. Okay. Robert invites Sylvie to his show and sends her a ticket because it seemed like Sylvie was thinking that this rendezvous in the hotel was going to be a one-time thing because again, he's blowing up career-wise. She's like, oh, this happened. He's going to forget all about it. (laughs) Oh, Ashley, I have a crazy question. Go ahead. Do you feel like it's technically not an affair because her number isn't increasing or (laughs) or anything? Wow. We going to go there? We going to do that? I'm being real messy. Real messy right now. You know, I think I've heard that some people really do have that mindset that if you have (laughs) sex with an ex, no matter what stage of life you're in, that's not cheating. I do not abide by those rules, ma'am. You're full married. This is adultery. (laughs) But it is interesting to consider as as audience members how we felt about it in the context of morality. Because I can say Mm -hmm. that I did not feel bad. I did not feel bad. I did did not either. No. And usually I'm so anti-adultery. I'm so anti-affair. Exactly. But I did not feel bad. You know, I think it's one of those cases for me of... The, the what the the line from Sweet Home Alabama, me and my mom say all the time that Reese Witherspoon says at the end of that film, I gave my heart away a long time ago and I never mm. really got it back. That's yes. how I felt. That's well about said because I was just I was just gonna simply say true love, but that was better. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't write it, but it's a great it's a great line. So as I was mentioning, Robert does though, he he instead invites Sylvie, even though she's thinking, oh, this is over, this is a one-time thing. He invites her to his show, sends her a ticket to her job. She shows up late because she has car trouble. She bo- borrows her father's car. 
mm-hmm. but she sees him with another woman, Delora. And so she dips out without ever but even she, being seen. Because that lady just walked on by. He didn't push her off, though. In her mind, because this woman had been around previously when she knew him, mm-hmm. remember she was a dancer mm-hmm. in that original club that they were working mm-hmm. in. So there's a familiarity already of thinking he's met, possibly messing around with this woman. She shows up. I think she was in like lingerie with a coat on. So he's like, hey, get in the car before you get cold. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's on Robert's side. It's innocent in his mind, I'm sure. But for a woman watching that, and you probably already feel like this man doesn't really care about me that much. I would have said something. What's that saying? Believe uh, half none of, of what, what you, you hear, none of what you hear, and half of what you see. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but again, in, in the context for her, probably of listen, I shouldn't be doing this anyway. I'm married. This was an old love. He's come back. I don't mm-hmm. know where we sit or where we stand. I mean, it, it made sense. But unfortunately, she when she gets back home, she's busted anyway. She thought she got away with trying to go see Robert because she made the excuse she had to work late. Mm-hmm. Whoops. Her boss had called the house. So I, sure I, did. I think this scene was so great, though, in that we had not known Lacey's awareness of Robert and that love affair. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if Michelle truly was his child, truly yes. was Robert's child to this moment, Lacey's fully aware of Robert and that he was in town and that this is his competition. Yes. And that you was even very hear him, interesting. Because you hear him say, I could have been with any, any woman and I chose Harlem. you. Yep. And you see her on her knees in yep. front of him in that moment. So mm-hmm. it gives you more context to the dynamics. Absolutely. But again, I feel like that's why she kind of put up with a lot of things. And I also felt that, that coldness. I felt that coldness for, because <clears throat> I was excited when we finally put a face to Lacey, right? And to see... You know, obviously he's a working man. He obviously cares for his family in terms of supporting for them. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, their relationship dynamic was just not there. Yeah. And to be honest, you have to give Lacey Grace an idea that it seems he loves Michelle, even knowing that is not his child. Exactly. We just had this conversation with our recap of the undoing about mm-hmm. the idea of raising someone else's child, knowing they're, they're not your child and mm-hmm. the prospect of that being tough that being a tough love yes and if you think about it that's an excellent example bringing that up knowing that Lacey and the gentleman from the undoing they took care of that child because they loved their spouse so much Mm -hmm. that child was an extension of that Uh person that they love so much so of course they were going to do whatever that child needed absolutely Sylvie's father inevitably after Sylvia's had twice really and longer I mean she could have written him at any point in time found him tracked him down she has not spilled the beans nope Sylvie's father calls Robert on his deathbed it turns out because unfortunately he passes away from a heart attack the same Mm -hmm. night and tells Mm -hmm. him listen Michelle is your daughter and I'm so sorry to have to be the one to tell you but you need I felt you needed to know so Sylvie gets promoted at work to the show's head producer that same evening as well, because it's a New Year's Eve party. Uh, Her boss is leaving to get married, which again gives context to the era, right? As a woman in business, even though you may be doing wonderfully at work, the idea possibly of having to juggle or do both, it didn't seem that her boss mm-hmm. could or wanted to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, catalyst for the end of her marriage to Lacey, though. 
one of my favorite lines from this entire movie is said in this in this scene i can't be the Mine woman of too. your dreams yes. while also trying to be the woman of my own and she Preach. also says i want to start living my life for myself i've never done that it was a one-sided unrequited love it seems to laura because mm -hmm. again as we spoke to and as lacy says i wanted to be the man of your dreams but i know that that role was already filled and to put things into context 1950s her mom is an etiquette teacher mm -hmm. she was under pressure to have that umbrella i mean i guess we can relate that back to bridgerton too with Marina, Marina trying to trap Colin mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I mean I imagine her mom saying oh no you are marrying this man and if he takes you and and Lacey's like okay I was off at war maybe we're just gonna go ahead and make this happen because I love you so much you Can know you what I mean? imagine that conversation with her parents never at that time I thought we were gonna get it but we didn't yeah they kind of skipped over that i'm sure her they mother sure was not pleased at um all. let's move on to our last section of the film which i've titled can we make it last forever <laughs> after hearing that sylvie's marriage is over robert shows up at her house confirms he knows michelle is his daughter interestingly enough i was so curious as to the span of time between yes, the phone too. call between her yes. father and him showing up at her doorstep because and i want to speak to this at the end of the film how long were you going to go robert without acknowledging this being your child exactly why was hearing that her marriage had ended the catalyst for you showing up saying, listen, I'm that baby's daddy and I want to know my daughter. Exactly. I, because who, what if she didn't get a divorce? Exactly. Were you just going to move forward and proceed in your life knowing that you had fathered a child and never knowing her? Again, this is where Robert, Robert isn't always, the ideal guy sometimes <laughs> so sylvie when she's explaining why she did not tell robert previously she said she did not want to have to make robert choose between them and his career mm -hmm. did you feel like that was a good enough rationale and is michelle at this point in time going to understand this new father figure coming into her life because let's be clear she has a full daddy a whole daddy that she's known her entire life. Um, I felt like I was happy that she introduced him as Mr. Holloway. I think it probably would have been too much for her sweet child to deal with mommy and daddy breaking up and then meeting this entirely different man mm -hmm. who was supposed to be her daddy. Like what, where, how? Yeah. What was the other question? Was her excuse, did it suffice for you in terms of not telling that man that he was her child's father? Yes and no. Sylvia and I are two different types of people. I'm the type that puts everything out there on the table <laughs> so we can then make the best decision for our lives. Mm -hmm. um, again, it's like accepting a no from someone who hadn't even given it to you yet like you don't yeah. know how um things would have gone mm -hmm. also his career wasn't necessarily going as glamorously 
as she thought it was, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so you, you never know. I, I think when a person is involved, i.e. a child, she should have absolutely told him. Mm-hmm. Um, I can understand her fearing him, you know, him uprooting everything for her, but guess what? He got her pregnant. So yeah. <laughs> and I I struggle with this and again want to speak to it at the end of the entire film this idea that it seemed like they kept going back and forth and putting their needs over the needs of their child because at the end of the day Mm. for you to say you didn't want to have to make Robert choose then you're denying your child the opportunity to know her biological father and you're making a decision for her that is going to impact the rest of her life and I'm not sure that that's fair yes but if you think about it, our great grandparents were doing all types of mess like that back in the day. And, <laughs> and I can't say that those things haven't escaped many a family. And I'm Girl, gonna leave it there. You um, find out your your aunties, your mama, what? <laughs> your grandmother was pretending to be your mother, and your sister was pretending to be uh, your grandmother was pretending to be your mother, and your mother was pretending to be your sister, a la Jack Nicholson. Exactly. I don't think that Orlando Bloom ever had a situation like that too. His his father wasn't his father, but the family friend was his father. Like, yeah. I mean, there's a lot because of the era, and I mean, I I know this within my own family that there's that uh, idea of you know this is this is an adult situation this is adult mm-hmm. conversation children mm-hmm. should stay in their place but to to the extent of this film I'm just not sure how fair I thought a lot of this was but mm-hmm. but I digress let's continue I appreciate that a point bit. of view thank you for bringing that up of course so it, it has seemed like at this point you know Robert was forgiving he was introduced to Michelle it seemed like Robert and Sylvie were finally going to get their love story Delora but unfortunately Robert's career yet again even though it was soaring initially is going to be the turning point for them because when he's finally ready to step out on his own uh, and step outside of the quartet because again he had been the star and he had been relegated to making less money to not having the success he could have had yeah he had no publishing rights even though he was co-writing a lot of the songs Mm -hmm. and how did that happen who fault was that though I mean it's his at the end of the day he wasn't Mm -hmm. he wasn't aggressive enough with Dickie um it's a new era of music though Delora that's being ushered in there's a reference to to a young Stevie Wonder uh in this film who well started his career at 11 oh man years old guys but he's That's, been that talented for that long yeah it's like it's amazing i'm gonna speak to that as a part of unreal. my hidden gems today unreal yeah i'm gonna speak to that as a part of my hidden gems today but again jazz is being left behind it's a blow to his manhood because you know he wants to help out financially even though you have sylvie saying listen i can support the family until you get on your feet until something works out so ego ego gets in the way robert thought he had to connect with an old friend uh tank at motown so he decides he wants to uproot the family and move back to detroit um sylvie actually had agreed to give up her this dream job she has and join him again doing too much on just people's words though it's like can we have a signed contract and a start date and Before. the realities of that hit him hard, right? Because Tank was completely full of shit. He was an errand boy. Nothing it was more. So uncomfortable to watch, Ashley. Like it was it upsetting. Was so uncomfortable. But watching it the second time when we're introduced to Tank, 
I noticed that he said right hand man so to speak yeah very gordy mm-hmm. so it all came together when i watched it a second time but painful to watch it was it was unfortunate to me that even i guess the phone call that robert had, had with tank saying hey i'm gonna come to detroit yada 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 that, that wasn't the moment tank was like listen i'm full of shit he was like i just assumed i just assumed you knew you know everybody knows so That's it was very taking zero accountability it was, okay. it was it was very sad <laughs> to watch and robert returns completely defeated he decides that he wants to go back to detroit alone he it goes back to working at a factory uh, at an auto plant. Because, again, Detroit, your hometown. Yes, ma'am. Known for automotive manufacturing. It helped Black people raise classes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they were able to have uh, stability in the workforce, even though it was still, you know, blue collar. But mil- um, middle income people, you know, we were... I say we, but black people were able to buy their homes and mm-hmm. obviously multiple vehicles and send their kids to college. It was a, it was a great time for that. Yes. So I know there's usually always some level of adversity and conflict in romantic films before we wrap it up, uh, before the happily ever after, but having my notes, you really just going to leave your whole kid. You, you really just going to leave your whole kid. On no explanation outside of, I need to go back to Detroit alone. I don't want you to come, and I'm not a family man. What type of ex- what type of an explanation is that? <laughs> not it wasn't. It wasn't. It sounds like some f boy ish. Honestly, I was I was saddened. I was yes. deeply saddened by the reality that this man who, again, is just finding out he's a father, you're going to let the circumstances of you not being able to find what you consider to be your passion stop you from continuing forward and knowing your child and having a family. I'm not negating his love for Sylvie by any means by continuing to bring up his child, but the love for your child should outweigh Actually, everything else in my mind. <laughs> Something just came to me. They were used to being each other's one true love, but they hadn't evolved their relationship into being each other's life partner. Mm. So they were unable to have these real life conversations. Mm. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think that's very valid. I think that's very, very valid. And again, we spoke earlier to age. We we haven't landed on how old they were, but mm-hmm. give them grace in the fact that they may have still been fairly young and sure. And yeah. trying to trying to figure it out. That's all mm-hmm. I can give them because Poor I was communication though. Poor I was super disappointed. Uh, so after running into Carmen in DC, Sylvie learns the truth about Robert's circumstances because she goes to DC to join Mona for that march on Washington. Yes. Uh, she learns about Robert's circumstances and then in the end realizes, with help from Mona, that he likely did not want her to give up everything she had worked hard for. Uh, Mona called it extraordinary love. Mm-hmm. So. Thing she did yeah so him. sylvie shows up at the plant in detroit to get her man as i put in my notes <laughs> it, it they kept repeating a quote that robert said in the film which is i guess i just wanted you to be happy even if i couldn't be a part of your life so mm. delora is that is that supposedly the definition of unconditional love yes i think 
one theme that we could probably say that this film really hangs on to is the idea of you know if it's meant to be you let it go and it'll it'll come back to you right Mm -hmm. because they were able to do that successfully multiple times wait at least it wasn't as exhausting as normal people (laughs) normal people did not end on the happy note of finality and we're really going to make this work because in the end sylvie when she shows up she says what if i can't be happy if you're not a part of it and Ro- then exactly. robert says well i guess then we're stuck with each other so i had yes. more of a finality than i did with normal people because that was yes, my big right as yes, we talked was. about in that first episode yeah. i need i'm an american as you like to, to <laughs> say say to me about my need for a happily ever after you got damn right because life is hard enough I want to see some stuff work this out. This is entertainment. Sometimes. I need to be entertained. Yes. And I need to feel happy at the end. Yes. <laughs> but again, one can say, yes, this is unconditional love. That's beautiful that you guys want to see each other soar and live mm. your best lives and live your dreams. And I think I would have been all for that if there were not a child involved. Because my mm. final thoughts, again, I'm not okay. a parent. I'm not a parent. But from my perspective, these two characters put each other's happiness above the needs of their child. And I have, is it selfless or selfish? In my mind, it's selfish. That's, that's where I land. And that is, that took away from my grade. Mm. As beautiful as I thought the film was, Mm -hmm. as, as enjoyable, especially the second time as I felt, excuse me, about it, I cannot move past the neglect of young Michelle. I appreciate how serious you are about this. Yes. <laughs> your your mind is in the right place. I did not go that deep with their relationship. I guess for me, I was just so frustrated with how they're making these major decisions without each other. Mm. I.e. obviously the child in, in both cases if you think about it. So mm-hmm. um but yeah, excellent, excellent point, Ashley. Thank Ex- you. Thank yeah. you. So what I love too at the end of this is that there's a dedication to Diane, Nancy, and Doris. For our listeners, if you're not familiar, that is Diane Carroll, that is Nancy Wilson, and that is Doris Day. They all passed away during the filming of this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought that was a beautiful tribute. Mm -hmm. One thing I wanted to spotlight, Delora, and I talked to you about this off mic before we got started. This sent me down, as usual, a Google rabbit hole. And it made me so (laughs) curious about the first Black female television producer. And Google gave me the name of Madeline Anderson. So guys, this Mm. is your little known potentially, in case you already are aware, Black History Month fact. So according to the National Museum of African American History and Culture, Madeline, who began her filmmaking career in the 1950s, is often credited as the first Black woman to produce and direct a televised documentary film, first Black woman to produce and direct a syndicated TV series, first Black employee at New York-based public TV station WNET, and one of the first Black women to join the Film Editors Union. She would go on to become the in-house producer and director for Sesame Street, and during early 1970s, helped create what would become WHUT-TV at Howard University, the country's first and only Black-owned 
public TV station. So I wanted to give Madeline a shout out and let you guys know some very important black history. Cannot conclude a discussion about black women in television without also giving a shout out to Oprah Winfrey, the first black woman to own and produce her own TV talk show back in 1989. So, Delora, that really wraps, unless you have any final thoughts, our recap of the beautiful and gentle (laughs) Black romance film for Valentine's Day weekend for the lovers in the room. Mm -hmm. Sylvie's love. Well done. Well done. I was excited to see that they received some nominations. They did. Uh, They have two nominations from... Uh, the Critics' Choice Award, five from the Indo-LACP, and then one from Satellite Award. Um, and so I was, um, I was happy to see that. I saw that the Golden Globes missed out, but that's their fault. As we said on last week's show, <laughs> yes. Globes, y'all, y'all, are going, y'all are going the way of being irrelevant for me, so I'm going to need y'all to step up your game. But thank, thank you guys for joining us for this recap, Delora. We're going to get into some hidden gems. Hidden gems. Yes, Ashley. Okay. My hidden gem this week is the New York Times presents Framing Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. It was released just last week, February 5th. It's available on Hulu. Mm -hmm. and it explores Britney Spears conservatorship and it also explores Britney's relationship with the media and the Mm -hmm. public and it is absolutely heartbreaking to watch and can I say Ashley we are finally at the age where we're able to have nostalgia right we're able to look back and be like why did we think that was okay (laughs) (laughs) had so many of those moments during this film during that documentary rather yes and it's only about an hour and I believe six minutes or so so overall they cover a lot in a short amount of time uh but and it's not really hidden (laughs) but it's my jump but I was able to salvage this hidden gem because my goal my goal for February is to make it um you know explore black you know, culture with art, music, what have you, TV, movies. And so I made Britney Spears my hidden gem, but I was able to highlight one of the contributors. His name is Wesley Morris. He is a a critic for pop culture. Mm -hmm. He has a podcast called Still Processing that he co-hosts with Jenna um, Wortham. And He's also a part of the New York Times 1619 Project podcast. And in particular, episode number three, The Birth of American Music. He hosts that particular podcast. It's 35 minutes. It is my favorite out of that series, the 1619th Project, because this is the podcast that was um, derived from the public the published work that came out last year Mm -hmm. um but yeah I just wanted to 
salvage that a little bit and uh, give you that hidden gem. So that one is actually a hidden gem. <laughs> Morris, who is a contributor in the Framing Britney Spears documentary. He's also amazing on his own podcast, but in particular, 1619 Project, episode three. Phenomenal. Check it out. Thank you for that. Yeah, the free, the, I keep saying, I'll say that. That is my takeaway. Free Britney, because that documentary was eye-opening. So yes. and thank I have you to for say, the extension I, on that. I did look down on the Free Britney movement originally, because I'm just like, who are these people? Like, yeah, what do but, you really know? There's and, credence to it. And also credence to the idea of really needed to, to explore conservatorship law in yes. general. So that was exactly. a powerful documentary. Thank you for that, Delora. I actually have three hidden gems um, that I'll run through. Uh, and as usual, guys, do not forget, this is always in our information on the podcast. So if you know you want to explore more about them, we put the titles as well as where you can locate our um, Ashley, hidden gems. Yeah. Actually, breaking news, Britney Spears' father loses bid to retain control, delegating her investments. Wow. That's NBC News. It's breaking. I just had to put that out there. Okay. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, those of you who are really interested will, you know, this will really make a difference in her life and in her career. Um, so my hidden gems this week, Shop Black. It is a website. They also have social media. It's Shop Black. That's S-H-O-P-P-E. B-L-A-C-K dot U-S. It's a company founded by a black husband and wife created to curate content related to black owned businesses and black culture. I've loved this website. I've utilized it for my support of quite a few black businesses from a black tea company that I've purchased from to some black furniture companies that I'm looking at right now because I'm really into home decor, um, all sorts of things. They have a lot of great articles, a lot of great information. So check them out. Uh, my second Jim Between the World and Me, an HBO documentary 2020 mm -hmm. based on Ta-Nehisi Coates' book framed yes. as a letter to his 15-year-old son on growing Excellent up book. Black in America. It's a star-studded cast. Angela Davis, um, Angela Bassett, Felicia Rashad, Mahershala Ali, Yara Shahidi, just to name a few. Um, powerful, powerful documentary. Whether you've read the you book or not. It. Go ahead. Um, our girl Beth from This Is Us. She's a I, producer. I didn't know she produced it, but I did see her involvement. So thank you mm -hmm. for that. Uh, so check that out, guys. Again, it's on HBO. My last hit and gem, Hitsville, The Making of Motown. This is a Showtime documentary, but it's free for this month, being Black History Month on Amazon. It's really a great bridge from Sylvie's Love. I, I fell down this because I, I kind of started to want to know more uh, about Motown than I had previously. <laughs> Not that I didn't I feel like I already knew plenty. You but, know I know a lot. <laughs> but it was it was really an extension of, you know, hearing about, oh, the end of the jazz era, you know, we start to get into the Motown era, all of that. So I loved it because you really get a lot of first person stories from Barry Gordy, from Smokey Robinson, from Stevie Wonder. Um, and you also get more of a deep dive into some of their uh, incredible hits, you know, Stevie Wonder really taking control of his career at the age of 21. Um, the uh, extension of, you know, the the collaboration of so many songwriters to make um 
my girl for the temptations and their recording of that um the the journey of marvin gay i mean there were so mm. many great gems in that documentary that i think i stayed up till 2 30 in the morning watching it because it was that interesting check that out. for me personally yeah so that's hitsville the making a motown you can find it on amazon prime and mm. those are my hidden gems for this week on that note, um, rest in power to Mary Wilson, who absolutely is one of the original Supremes. Absolutely. Um, Delora, what, what are we recapping for these folks next week? Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yes, yes, actually, yes. It is that time. I actually have to watch it now. Um, <laughs> I've been I've been holding holding on to that film a little bit. It's been on the list. Yeah. Well, as we know, as we talked about, it's up for many an award. So I'm really looking forward to to talking about it further. Yes. You know, my hesitation is due to the great Chad Wood Bowman yeah. knowing that that it's going to be emotional. His last project. So it's definitely going to be emotional. Yes, but I am looking forward to recapping it. Yes, ma'am. Well. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week. Delora, love you. you. Talk to you later. Yes. Happy Valentine's Day. You too, girl. To all the lovers out there, enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) Bye.